Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. My message today is called Worship in Freedom. And then in parentheses, it's called It's Time for a Praise Break. All right, so... You know, we're in this series called The Heart of Worship. This week is actually the final week and we've been learning about biblical worship. Now, I know uh, worship is a whole life thing. It incorporates your whole life. But in this series, we've been talking specifically on lifting your hands, raising your voice, you know, dancing, rejoicing, making a loud sound. And, um, you know, the way that we worship here at Elevation, let me tell you, it's not a learned behaviour. It's not just something that, you know, as my boss used to say um, at my old work, you know, what the happy clappy Christians do, but it's biblical. It's biblical worship, you know, and I truly, truly believe that worshipping God is, is an incredible gift. You know, it's an incredible gift that He's given us because not only does worshipping God remind us of who He is, not only does He respond when we worship Him and make His presence known to us as, you know, Ben preached last week, but I truly believe it is a gift because we can worship God from our valley moments, from our dungeons. We can worship God on the mountaintop. When we are at the worst of ourselves, at the end of ourselves, we can worship God. When we are at the top of our game, we can worship God. It doesn't matter what stage of life or state you're in, you can worship God. And um, another of the outcomes of worshiping Him is that it builds your boldness. Worshiping God strengthens us on the inside for whatever we face on the outside. And you know, in that verse that I just read in John 8, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But I believe that there are Christians who have been set free, but don't live free indeed. There are Christians who have been set free, but do not live free indeed. Because who knows, we can get stuck. You know, it'd be foolish of me to say, everything's fine, everything's whatever, you know, like that's, that's not reality. You know, we can get into a funk sometimes, a lull in life or high seasons, bad seasons, monsoon seasons. You know, it, and, and so it matters to God, you know, that you and I live in the freedom that He purchased for us on the cross. And I believe that God wants us to learn how to live free by worshipping freely. And so today, you know, I'm, I'm going to challenge us a little bit, but ultimately I want to encourage you to worship Him in freedom. So let's pray together before I continue. Lord, we thank You so much for this time that we have together as Your church to spend time in Your Word. Holy Spirit, Your presence is welcome here. Would You illuminate our hearts and our minds to the truth of Your Word, to the truth that You want to reveal to us today? And I pray for those of us who feel bound up, who feel trapped, who feel like they're in a low season, would you release them in Jesus' name? Would there be a fresh revelation of what it is to live free indeed? Jesus, be glorified. We love you. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, if you're taking notes today, my first point is we praise to break out. And we're looking, um, we're starting in the book of Acts. And if you're not sure what the book of Acts is all about, so it was written by um, the Apostle Luke and it's the Acts of the Apostles. So, you know, in the Gospels, um, Jesus came, 
died, rose again, and then He commissioned His disciples and also the, all of us, you know, to go and be the church, to go and reach people. So this is what the book of Acts is all about. So we're here in chapter 16, verses 16. So once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who is telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days, many days. And finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realised that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practise. This poor slave girl, you know, not only was she possessed with a demon, but a demon that enabled her to tell the future. And as a result, she was exploited by these slave masters and she made them so much money, a ridiculous amount of money. And she, so she was being ex- exploited and abused on the inside, exploited and abused on the outside. And here's the thing, by dealing with a spiritual issue in the female slave, Paul and Silas suddenly find themselves facing an angry mob for meddling with their economic and political practices. Paul was just like, I just was trying to cast out a demon. I wasn't trying to cause like an upheaval of your political practices, but okay. But he cast out a demon. He sets a girl free, but simultaneously cast out the slave master's income. He can't make money anymore. And everybody's mad. The whole city is mad. The world is no different. Our world today is no different to the world we're reading about in Acts. If you stand up for Jesus, it will cost you something and you might suffer. We need boldness to follow Jesus. But let's keep reading. Verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. They got cancelled, you know, the whole got mobbed and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped naked and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their their feet in stocks. And um, they weren't just chained and thrown in a cell. Like uh, in a cell, they theorised that it might have been like the dungeon, so like the, the depths, like the dankiest, grossest cell that they could find. That's where they put them in. And the stocks, well, you know, historians, they they say that the stocks were designed to stretch them in such a way that caused constant agonising pain. And, And here they are locked up just for speaking out the name of Jesus, just for exercising a little faith and seeing a vulnerable girl set free. They are taken, stripped, beaten and left to suffer in darkness under constant torture. That sounds like hell, you know. (laughs) But could you imagine the kind of sounds coming from that prison? Like the Romans were pretty brutal. Like the, the relentless sound of prisoners groaning in agony. They're crying out in pain and it just echoing through the prison. I bet the jailer had really good noise cancelling earphones 
and a really great playlist, you know? And, um, but from the inner cell, you know, in the midst of the collective suffering, Paul and Silas, they take a praise break. They begin to praise and let's read on what God does next in verse 25. About midnight, because they ain't sleeping, they're in pain. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. See, the other prisoners stopped, stopped in their tracks because they could hear Paul and Silas. They're probably singing like, praise the Lord. And could you imagine like being in prison and you hear that sound you're like, who, what? I won't be quiet, my God is alive. How could I keep it inside? Praise the Lord, oh my soul. What? They're stopped in their tracks. The sound of pain ceases at the sound of praise. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the prison doors were open. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Let me say that again. The sound of pain ceases at the sound of praise. As Paul and Silas began to sing, as their worship began to echo through the prison, loud enough to arrest the attention of the other prisoners, to stop in their tracks and listen, their praise cut through the pain. Their praise began to change the atmosphere within the prison. Come on, this is for somebody today. Maybe you feel bound up. Maybe you feel trapped. Maybe life isn't going too well. Maybe you're suffering internally or externally, but let me encourage you to shift your song of pain to a song of praise. In the midst of your suffering, be bold. Take a praise break and let God do what only He can do. Let me remind you again, as they began to sing, the floor began to shake. As they lifted their praise to God, the prison doors flew open. As their worship echoed through the corridors of the prison, every prisoner's chains came loose. This story teaches us that we don't need to figure out how to escape. We don't need to know how to pick locks. We just have to lift the praise up because only God can bring a breakthrough. Only He can break the chains. You know, it says at once the prison doors flew open. Only He can bring about a miracle. That sounds ridiculous. You know, their praise, their praise break turned into a jailbreak. And that same miracle working power of God that was active then is active today. We just need to lift our praise up. We just need to lift our voices and sing. Come on, can we take a second to just praise God today? Come on, come on. That same power is active today. It was their boldness in Christ that got them into prison. And it was their boldness in Christ that got them out of prison. And so, you know, you might be thinking there, well, Anna, why be bold at all? Why be bold if it means I suffer? Why be bold? Why worship freely if it puts me at risk of being alienated? Why worship freely if it puts me at risk of people thinking that I've come to revolutionise their economic and political practices? I'm just trying to live my life. I'm just trying to follow Jesus. Why worship freely in church if I run the risk of being embarrassed? You know, we can, we can be our biggest roadblock when it comes to worshipping God because we worry way too much about what other people think. 
You know, what, what will other people think about me if I sing, if I sing loud? I can't sing. I can't harmonise. I, <laughs> I can't. I know, you're probably there like, I know, you know, you can sing, you're the worship buzzer, but follow me. Anyway, what will other people think if I lift my hands and I've got sweat stains? It's going to be 35 degrees today, Anna. I can't let people know that I'm sweating, even though it's going to be 35 degrees, we're probably all sweating, let's be real, come on. What will other people think about me if I jump, if I dance, my fat jiggles? My summer body ain't ready, Anna. I'm still eating my winter diet. I'm hibernating. All this self-focus, all this, what will other people think about me? There's an image I'm trying to sell. You know, you'll discover that when we do this, we don't actually engage in worship. You know, we, we look at our watches, you know, or you might be there. You look around at the clock, you're like, oh my gosh. They're doing the bridge again, my goodness. Seriously? And suddenly we get to singing, um, the, the end of singing, and we're like, well, you know, Pastor Ben keeps talking about encountering the manifest, tangible presence of God, but Anna, I haven't, I, don't, I haven't experienced anything. We're thinking all this when our focus, our attention is meant to be on Jesus. That's not living in freedom. You know, um, so growing up, I attended church mostly with my mum, but one weekend my mum had to work and my dad offered to take me to church. And this was very unusual because I went to like a Filipino, very Pentecostal church and my dad is, was a very Spanish man um, who, who spoke broken English. You know, I don't know how to speak Spanish, but let me tell you, I can speak fluent broken English. And um, so he, he took me to church and I remember... You know, we had taken a moment in the service uh, to pray for my friend's mum who was um, dying of cancer. And as we prayed, you know, we had heads bowed, we had arms stretched out. But I just opened my eyes and I looked to find my dad next to me with both arms raised in the air. And I'd never seen my dad like this. You know, for someone who was, you know, very cynical about church, to see him in this moment... You know, and then for the rest of the service, he, 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 his arms were raised at any chance he had and he was singing along. I'd never seen my dad like this, to see him worship and pray in freedom. And it gave me a snapshot of what God was doing in his heart. And, you know, I wish we spoke about it. We didn't speak about it because I was just an awkward little teenager, just like, whoa, what's dad doing? This is cool. But I just want to encourage the men today the dads in the room, the husbands or the guys the, the, who feel like they need to be like alpha, like nothing, nothing penetrates me. Like, <laughs> if your heart's cry is to worship God, if you're like, yeah, the sun set me free, I am free indeed. But then you're like, hold that, slack up those tears. Worship freely, lift your hands, raise your voice, let your kids see you worship. You have no idea the impact that that has to your kids, to the people around you, to your brother in arms. Jesus set you free so you can be free indeed. So what does it look like to worship freely? 
I know this is a favourite passage. We're jumping into 2 Samuel. We're looking at, at David. Classic, classic example. So David, um, we're in chapter 6, verse 14. Wearing a linen ephod, not an iPod, an ephod. David was dancing before the Lord with all his might while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. So the ark of the Lord was like a chest that in the Old Testament carried the manifest presence of God. So uh, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark, yep, I think I said that. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, now I think I'm going to pronounce this Mashal because I feel like it suits her personality, Mashal. Mashal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. In verse 20, when David returned home to bless his household, Mashal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked, in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. And then David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father, who burned, or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honour. So my first point, we praise to break out. My second point is we praise to break free. Now a common misconception about this story is we imagine David dancing around naked. Like he's just butt naked in the streets of Jerusalem. But that's not the case. That actually would have, that is, that continues to be and was sinful. Please don't rock up to church butt naked. Okay? Worshipping freely doesn't justify being disorderly. Okay? Scripture says he was wearing a linen ephod, which was actually a piece of clothing, a garment that the priests would wear. So what is Michelle actually mad about? She is offended, okay, that this king, king, would debase himself by removing his royal robes. You know, this is like a grand possession, a procession. The whole country is watching. He takes off his royal robes and puts on the priest's uniform and then praises and worships in front of everyone. And she's probably thinking, what kind of king are you? That you would diminish your image like that. That you would diminish the throne like that. The throne that my father, Saul, sat on. How dare you behave in such an unseemly manner? Like a povo. Gross. (laughs) But look, you know, David's status, you know, he was a shepherd boy. He was a warrior. He was the, like, you know, right hand of the king. And then now the king, his status didn't change the way that he worshipped. If you read through his life, David didn't care what Michelle thought. Michelle. What does Michelle know anyway? He didn't care what she thought about how he should behave or present himself. He didn't change his behaviour or actions to please her or anyone for that matter. In 1 Samuel 13, it says that David was a man after God's own heart. His desire was set on pleasing the Father. That's where his attention and his focus was fixed. Because worship helps you learn to stop caring what other people think. 
because my attention, my focus, my, my affection, my heart is directed towards the Father. And worship teaches you to get your approval from the one who's always pleased with you. Who here likes to work out? Who here likes to exercise? <laughs> Everyone kind of hesitated because it's like, ugh, I don't like to, I have to. Amen. What is the best part of any workout? Amen. When it's over, right? That's my favourite part. My favourite part is when I'm done and I come home and I make my post-workout smoothie. Yeah? I've got frozen bananas in there. I maybe frozen blueberries. I put a scoop of peanut butter. Maybe a second scoop of peanut butter. If I'm like, yeah, I did good today. I put a scoop of protein. We need that protein. I put some creatine. Creatine. That's a game changer if you're trying to build muscle, guys. You know, worship is a great way to exercise and strengthen our faith muscles, you know? And in church, it's like a group workout, you know? We do it together and then like the worship team and the pastors, they're like the PTs that are encouraging us on our form. Like, yeah, you can keep going, you can do more, you know? And then when we finish worshiping, like singing to God, the message, that's that smoothie that you've been craving, right? You just burn all those calories and you're tired and then you get that post-workout smoothie and there's protein, there's that creatine, all that peanut butter. The message, in the message, in the Word is the ingredients that give us that clean fuel to keep going, to do it all again, to build that muscle. You know, as you worship God in here, it gives you the courage and the strength to live for Him out there. Now, we could all probably agree the world wants Christians to live quietly. But the world needs Christians that are bold. The world needs Christians that are going to stand up, that are going to worship. My third point, we praise from victory. So, you know, you can see freedom and walk in victory wherever you go. You don't need to wait for God to bring a breakthrough. You just need to praise. You know, if we look back at 2 Samuel, David was celebrating and worshipping because the ark, the, the chest that hosted the presence of God had returned to Jerusalem. And he was pumped. You would be pumped. And immediately after the scene between David and Michal, Nathan, Nathan the prophet, he comes to David with a word and in 2 Samuel 7, it says, um, you know, God speaks and He says, I will make your name as famous as anyone who's lived on earth. Your house and your kingdom will continue for all time and your throne will be secure forever. And then if we trace it, who's one of the, it's Jesus at the, in the line of David. And then Jesus died, rose again, King of glory, King forever, throne forever. God kept His promise to David. And in 2 Samuel 8, Within the life of David, we read victory after victory for David and his army. The Lord made David victorious wherever he went. And if we look back at Acts 16, Paul and Silas, they were just on their way to pray. They were just making their way to worship, to a prayer meeting, right? But then God redirects them. They made it to a prayer meeting just in a completely different way more painful setting, a prison full of captives waiting to be set free in Jesus' name. You know, Paul and Silas, just like David, were men after God's own heart. 
It didn't matter where they were. It didn't matter who they were. It didn't matter their status in life, the image that they were trying to convey. But wherever they were, they were going to worship God. They were postured to encounter His presence. And though they were persecuted and punished, they chose to praise. And their praise broke chains and didn't just set them free, but set every single person, every single prisoner free. Their worship wasn't dependent on God doing great things for them. They worshiped God no matter the day. And as a result, God did great things through them. See what I'm saying? They didn't worship God so they could win. They worshiped God. They worshiped knowing that God has already won. We've got to celebrate the victory with praise before we see the victory. Let me say that again. We've got to celebrate the victory with praise before we see the victory. Now, let me be clear. This is not about manifesting your victory, like visualising victory, visualise my success. Yes. No. Because of the cross, Jesus died and rose again, breaking the power of sin and death. God has won. We need to step into that victory. We need to step into the freedom that He's paid for. 1 Corinthians 15 to 57. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, victory is our inheritance. Luke 4.18, this is Jesus speaking. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery for the, of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to set the captives free. That's a promise. That's a guarantee. And my fourth and final point, worship in freedom every day. As I just explained, Paul, Silas, David, they were postured to encounter the presence every day. And since the beginning, God's heart for us is to live in freedom. And when we learn to worship freely, we in turn learn how to live freely. You don't have to wait till Sunday. You don't have to wait till the band gets loud. You know, this can be every day. This should be every day, whatever it is. Maybe you're having an off day. Take a praise break. Maybe you're just feeling disorientated of sorts. Like, what, what, is, what is today? What is today? Take a praise break. You could be on your way to work in the car. It could be the first thing you do in the morning. It could be while you're doing the dishes. You know, if, you're, if you want your kids to sing something other than the wiggles, take a praise break. Put on some praise and worship music and lift up your voice, lift up your hands, dance. Your praise is your weapon. As we've learned this, this month, worship is warfare. Your praise can bring the presence of God into your everyday places. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know, and as we just wrap up this series today, I wanted to take a moment to put into practice what we've been talking about for the last few weeks. And I'd love to invite um, the prayer team to come to the front and if everyone could stand. You know, and if you're here today and you feel like you're in a prison, you could be going through a health issue, a relationship breakdown, insecurities, deep insecurities that maybe you've struggled with your whole life, a lack of confidence, 
It could be unforgiveness, bitterness, cynicism. Those are chains holding you down. If you're feeling lost, whatever it is, Jesus wants to set you free today. And Jesus wants to break those chains off. And you know, we're gonna we're gonna sing, we're gonna worship. If you would love some prayer for any of those things, please come down the front as we sing. And then for the rest of us, we're gonna break out of our comfort zone. We're gonna put this message into practice. Whatever you're facing, the sound of pain ceases at the sound of praise. The sound of apathy ceases at the sound of praise. The sound of insecurity ceases at the sound of praise. The sound of bitterness ceases at the sound of praise. The sound of unforgiveness ceases at the sound of praise. So whatever it may be, whatever is the sound, we're gonna switch it out for praise and we're gonna see God do what only He can do and bring a breakthrough, amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, we're going to praise Him. We're going to lift Him up in this place. 